are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Engaging an exciting conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Every week on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Welcome everyone. You're listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T-Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. And we are joined by two men of God today. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hello. Howdy. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Good to be with you guys today. We've got our resident. Well, you always say resident white boy, but I think that's me. What? Yeah. He's the resident white boy. Hi, Wasu. Wasu. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you. Good, good to be know. here. Thank you for joining us. And we're also joined by... Has he ever been here before? No. Yes. No? Uh, like oh, I think I just wasn't here for any where, of the times. Where have you been, bro? <laughs> Not here, clearly. Okay. <laughs> so, Pastor Craig, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you very, very, very much. And we'll just pretend that this is the first time. Yes, for Since me. you and I are, are here for the very first time together. We're together, yes. Mm. There we go. So, my first fruits are coming, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yes. <laughs> the first time that... Okay. Well, well, oddly enough, we're actually talking about that today, right? Mm. Because today, we're going to be discussing um, the Old Testament versus the new testament and um whether or not they uh i guess intersect overlap and you know there have been many many debates and just a lot of what do you call it <clears throat> the word the word is refusing to come <laughs> but just a lot of contentions right in different circles about whether or not the old testament still applies today certain practices that were in the old testament do they have they been um, transferred to the New Testament? Have they been nullified? Yeah, have they been totally nullified? So today we're gonna we're gonna talk about that because we really wanna wanna get deep into that to understand because I think you know it it can really be a, a serious bone of contention. Mm. And I think just before we mm. get there, um, I have a Christianese word of the day that I'm going to ask our pastors <laughs> to help me define because I have a feeling it will come up at some point during the discussion. So our Christian word of the day is covenant, right? Okay. So another way of dividing the New Testament and Old Testament is old covenant, new covenant to some extent. So what does that word mean? PC. <laughs> no. I'm just going to check with Google because you have PC answers first. <laughs> I was going to That's defer to you, man. <laughs> to me, to me, uh, covenant is uh, two simple words, contract. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or probably agreement. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I would, um, I would uh, term the word or understand or define the word covenant. Uh, mm -hmm. Covenant is a, a contract or an agreement of sorts, obviously between two or more parties, yes. relating or regarding to whatever it is they are coming into agreement uh, uh, an agreement uh, with or off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'd add to that that it is a promise mm -hmm. uh, that gets fulfilled um, and the ones we're talking about covenants yeah. are promises made by God mm. who is the greatest promise keeper we know. He made so many promises in the Old Testament that get fulfilled in the New Testament. So even as we look at the relationship between the two Old and New Testaments, I think that's the key. And when we define covenant, I think it's all about more than agree because agreements can sound a little bit uh, legal, like legal and mm. on paper and mm. contractual I think mm. they're more promises of a loving Heavenly Father mm. who fulfilled them in Jesus. Mm. And, and so I, I would look at covenant like that. So the old covenant, 
and the new covenant. The old covenants were ones that pointed to a new covenant mm. that mm. is essentially everything we have in Jesus who mm. fulfilled uh, the promises of the Old Testament. Nice. In summary. I am satisfied with that. Yeah. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, so in line with that, right, the um, subject matter today is on the New Testament or the New Covenant versus the Old Covenant. And I, I'm going to dive right in because the first thing we actually want to talk about is, is giving. Because this, this is always the hot topic when, when this subject is brought up, which is uh, you've got a lot of churches that advocate or that believe in tithing, Right. And some even take it a step further. And, and the churches that don't believe in tithing. Uh, oh, okay. They are, they yeah. are actually. They are? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. The churches that don't actively. Oh, I think it's because I'm from a Pentecostal. So I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right, I think, the churches, I think there, there are Pentecostal churches that don't uh, push for tithing. Oh. Or that are not as uh, blatant. And yeah. I think we'd be one of them. Uh, the church, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. So, you know, um, I, I've seen this, that <clears throat> there have been a lot of conversations about this. Mm-hmm. There are Christians who believe that you, you have to tithe every month, right? <clears throat> I guess a lot of it is obviously springing from uh, the, the teaching that they're getting, which has, um, I guess, sort of shaped their belief system, right, yeah. about this. So uh, Malachi 3 is, qu- is quoted a lot. And there's, you know, that, especially that bit about the devourer coming. People are scared that the, the, the devourer is going to come. Mm. Um, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of teaching. Then on the flip side, there's also teaching that um, says, that believes in the contrary, right? Which mm. is that tithing is no longer necessary. You don't need to give first fruits and all of that. That was all old covenant stuff. Now that we're in Jesus, um, that no longer applies. Uh, in the New Testament, all the apostles, Paul and them, never actively um, emphasize tithing. If, if it's mm. such a central uh, pillar or a central aspect of mm. the New Testament church, then why is it not uh, spoken about? You know, th- that kind of thing. Yeah. So I guess we can, we can start there. Mm. Um, and the two men of God can help us today to say, <laughs> what is the... Ag- in fact, before we start, I would just like to know. Mm. Uh, I'm assuming... Sean, mm. so in your church, you, you guys don't. I don't really tithe. even like the word tithing, right? Uh, because mm. of its legal connotations, it's. I find it not to be a helpful word <coughs> because we can get stuck on it. And to use the words of Paul, uh, you might as well go and chop it off if you want to be obedient to the whole law. So Christians get stuck <laughs> up on this whole thing of tithing, the legal aspect or the. Um, obligation, as it were, to tithe, where I think Paul's language is more uh, generous giving, give from a joyful heart without obligation. Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is giving. But often if your right hand is giving, you will know it's 10%, so the left hand is going to know there's 10% of my salary. That's a good one. (laughs) And Christians are going to start trying to work out what is 10% of my salary. Do I do that before tax or after tax? You know, and and how does it work out? And is my offering over and above that? And how do I work that out? And I think it just stresses Christians out and feel like, it makes Christians feel like if they don't give, then I'm robbing God. You know, yeah, that's something and for me, everything belongs to God. So actually, when we claim anything as our own, we've robbed God. 
because absolutely everything belongs to him. Psalm right. 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So I think for us, tithing is an unhelpful word. And I pretty much banned it from the first year in our church. And wow. we talk about, let's take up an offering. Let's, mm. let's give gladly to God rather than talking about tithing. And I honestly, I, I come off the books, and so mm. I don't have signing powers on our bank accounts. I don't, I don't look at the accounts because it's not helpful for me as a church leader to know how, who's giving how much and where because I get tempted to treat the ones who give more better mm. and to uh -huh. try to appease them and keep them in. And so that's not helpful for me to know that stuff. That's the context of not talking about tithing. Okay. Very interesting. Wow, wow. <laughs> My brother, thank you very much. Uh, it's so good to hear from um, from you. In our church, um, we're slightly different. We do speak of tithing. Of course, how we do present it uh, as relating to this discussion might be slightly different. Um, when we talk of tithing, um, we are basically introducing, as far as we're concerned, um, levels of giving. Levels of giving. Firstly, we don't designate or define tithe to be um, a, a component, if I can, if I can say it nicely, of um, Moses's law as, as it were. What do I mean? We look at um, the origin of where it came from. Right. And then uh, we're going to just bring it over to the New Testament. Um, the tithe started in Genesis 14, as I think mm -hmm. all of us would know. What we teach in our, in our local church, and I don't think a lot teach it the way we do. Um, obviously, Abraham has met uh, Melchizedek. is coming from a battle. He's got some spoils. <laughs> uh, Melchizedek blesses Abraham. Right, he, he refreshes him, and then he blesses, he proclaims something good over Abraham. Blessed be Abraham by God, etc., etc. And then the Bible says that Abraham gave a tithe of everything. Mm -hmm. So what do we teach? We teach that the tithe is a response to the blessing of God. We're not so much speaking that um, you have to tithe because you owe it to God, but it's a response to what God has done in you. Right, so what does this mean? Um, we then take it further to say, um, learning from Abraham, the issue about giving in the house of God. Yeah. Well, we've got a question. Okay, we know we're all supposed to give. What must I give? Mm. Right, we, 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 we basically pull it out from, from Genesis 14 there to say, at the very least, at the very least, if you're going to give to God, however way you determine, make it at the very least 10% of whatever it is that is coming to you, right? Do we make it an issue of law? Not necessarily. Do we pull up Malachi 3 uh, and threaten people with curses? Definitely not. But what we do say is at the very least, I'm glad you clarified respond. the note. <laughs> Your very least response to whatever God has done. Remember, there's also teachings whereby we, we hear people saying you have to give so that God blesses you. Yeah. We don't quite teach it that way. Rather, we teach it, we give, you give because God has blessed you, right? Remember when Melchizedek comes to Abraham, he didn't say give. In fact, he never even demanded it. He never asked for it. Mm -hmm. This was Abraham's decision to give a tenth. Mm -hmm. Remember, there was no, uh, let's collect our tithes and offering there. Abraham chose out of his heart. So what, why am I saying this? We're, saying to say, we, we're trying to say we, we're getting people, at least in our context, 
to first say, we don't want you to give because you're feeling there's a gun on your head, right? right? That's demanding something. No, Abraham did it as a response to what God has done. You, whatever it is that God has bestowed and blessed you with, you owe it to yourself to respond to God. Mm-hmm. At the very least, okay. make it 10%. That's how we also use in the term tithe. I hope uh, it's, it's, it's coming in. We, we, we don't believe necessarily, um, or rather, let me say this. When we talk about tithe in the law, we say uh, Moses legislated what was already happening. Mm-hmm. If you go to Jacob a few years later, uh, a number of years later, again, God makes a promise to, to Jacob. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to bring you back into this place. Mm-hmm. Jacob responds to what God has done again. He says, God, if you do all these marvelous things to me, number one, you're going to be my God. Number two, I'm going to build you a house. Number three, of everything you give me, I'm going to give back to you a tithe. So when we see Moses introducing the concept of the tithe, as far as we're concerned, he's legislating what already existed. Just like Moses gave, um, uh, what can I say, laws or rules of how to worship God, though in essence, they don't fall away simply because uh, we are now in the New Testament. He's just probably uh, putting into, a, um, for lack of a better word, a bureaucratic structure how God was to be worshipped within the nation of Israel, though the concept, as far as we're concerned, is overarching. So what do we expect in our local church? We expect that you give to God. Let the list of it be 10%. Can I respond to that? Mm. Mm. So this is excellent. Those were the two scriptures mm. I would talk about pre the Mosaic law mm. uh, coming in. That's Abraham and Jacob. Mm. But nothing in the Bible shows us that mm. it was a habit that they had. In fact, for mm. Abraham, it was mm. 10% of the spoils. Mm. And it was over a battle that he had won. Mm. And then he came and gave them. We don't see again mm. him giving a 10%. So it's not something that was ongoing or evident in his life. It was one circumstance, I think. And then with Jacob as well, it's not clear that this was a, a pattern or something that Moses said, ah, this is a law that follows what right. had already been happening. And those are the only two examples we have in Scripture on single occasions and yes, it was right that they would respond to God's gift to them. And they say, yes, God, we worship God by giving uh, 10% to God. Then if we look at the law of Moses, so talking about 10% exactly is quite a difficult one because there were actually three offerings or three tithes. As it were, the first tithe was the tithe for the Levitical priests or the priesthood because they didn't have an inheritance or a land that they were given. They looked yeah. after the temple. And so that they called all the other tribes to give the Levites 10%. So that would be their gift to the temple. The other 10% was for festivals and feasts. So it was actually 20% that they were giving. And then they called them every third year to give another 10% of those three years, which is three and a third percent, 3.333%. So it was actually 23 and a third percent, as it were, every year or every month. So the word tithe and 10% doesn't necessarily fit what was required under the law of mm. Moses per se. Mm. That would be my take on it anyway. So, you know, carrying on the conversation, sure. um, again, within our context, uh, so this is what we say. 10% ought to be the list mm. of what you give. For us, it's the, the entry level mm. of giving to God must be at the very least 10%. Remember that what I said, the question someone is asking is, all right, okay, I'm expected uh, to support the ministry yeah. or to give into the work of God. How do I give? We say at the very least, whatever it is you're earning, put a portion. 
we believe it's it's constant or it's 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 consistent even if you follow it through Moses and to Paul even Paul speaking to the Corinthian church when he's talking about giving um for specific purposes of a meeting um what I would say compassion needs yeah he would say each time I come set a portion which to me means that whatever it is that God blesses you with in terms of finance or material things not all of that is meant for your consumption this right. is where for me the tide begins but listen entry level we believe that over and beyond giving a portion we believe for us the second level of giving is listening to the voice of the holy spirit in other words giving something specific yeah okay so we we don't teach people 10% you're done necessarily no we say hey listen you have to sometimes open your ears or your heart mm. to listen to god's instruction for you so that you can give in accordance at times mm. and, and this is what we say you cannot tell me all of your life mm. god expects you to just give a particular amount i do believe at any given stage of our lives there's going to come at a specific time when god demands something specific yeah towards something it could be towards the building project it could be towards uh, like i said the compassion project it could be towards supporting something i do believe god prompts us to give something specific so to us higher than giving a portion of your of your income is listening to the voice of the spirit in terms of giving and the highest level which um, i'm sure they say differently although i've already heard you we say the highest level of giving which we encourage all our people to give uh, to to exercise is what we call the grace of giving okay giving by grace right and i think that's the generosity if i'm getting it correct uh, that pastor is is speaking about where for me you know not listening you're not waiting to hear an instruction in the night or after days of fasting or praying mm. to give something but your nature is giving so what we actually then tell our people is listen even though we expect you at the very least to start off here where we expect you to end up when it comes to giving mm. is to be generous in your giving the grace of giving paul says you know you excel in everything in speech and faith in your love for us you know and then it says but see to it that you excel in the grace giving of giving in the grace of giving it doesn't say in giving but it says in the grace of giving and how we understand that is obviously a special ability you know to be able to give beyond what um uh, normal what normal levels would be for you and i like the the, the example he gets in that particular chapter he actually calls a very poor church mm. you know yes, that, yeah. that 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 gave way beyond you know their own ability which is the grace so that's essentially what we end up um teaching people to say at the end of the day what we expect from you is to give by grace mm. but know that you know be, below that at times god might actually come for something specific mm. to say all right. all right do this or give this specific thing but at the very entry level and now perhaps to to just uh, put a uh, to underline all of that uh -huh. uh, so when we talk of tithing in our in our context um even though a person can designate something tithe uh, you know it we've found out that uh, i don't know if obviously it was it's totally different people tend to obviously give more than the 10% although uh, administratively it's sometimes referred to as tithe okay mm. um thank you for that pastor craig mm. And what, what I'm basically sensing from or get, getting from the both of you is that you, I think you, you agree on, on certain things, which is, uh, number one, that it is not meant to be legalized mm -hmm. and that the giving should be coming from a place of 
I guess, a, a place of generosity, a place of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I wanted to just move over to the new covenant, right? Where, what, what does the actual, what, what does um, the New Testament actually say? About tithing. About tithing, right? Mm. That, that's the first question. Mm-hmm. And the second question is, does it actually say anything about it? Mm. Um, and I, and I'll, I'll explain my, my question here very quickly. Mm. It's this, that you, you find that um, one of the issues that, one of the questions I had for a very long time was, wait a minute, God is very specific about the things that he wants us mm. to do in the, mm. in the word. And the way the whole subject of tithing uh, is, is taught in many churches is that it's a prerequisite. It's almost a, a requirement that is there to say, mm. if you're a Christian, you must be tithing yeah. so that God blesses you, so that you protect you from the devourer and all those other things. Mm. Some is actually um, a, a membership requirement. Membership requirement, mm. yeah. True. So, and, and some people will even quote scriptures. Like I know there's that scripture in Hebrews, which is kind of interesting. I don't really know. Like yeah. it's talking about how the tithes are meant to be given to. It talks about the Levitical order and yeah. whatnot, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you guys are the pastors; yeah. you can help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my yeah. yeah. But but my question is that yeah that uh, what what does the New Testament actually say yeah. about this subject? So on the word tithe, do you mind if I take that one? Yes, yes, please. It's mentioned only four times mm. in the whole New Testament. The word tithing, and Jesus mentions it twice what well, it's the same story in matthew and luke when he's talking to the pharisees, pharisees. actually yeah. says woe to you it's like wow this is tithing and he starts with woe to you pharisees says woe to you pharisees for you tithe uh, on your mint and your rue and every herb but you neglect justice and the love of god those you ought to have done uh without neglecting the others so he is saying saying well done these are pharisees under the Old Testament order, the Mosaic law. Yeah. So he is saying, yeah, well done. You've given, you've tithed, but you've neglected the far weightier matters, he says, which is giving justice, caring for the poor, uh, the orphan, the widow, etc. So those are the first two incidents, incidences. The third one is a parable. Jesus talking about the Pharisee and the tax collector who pray. And uh, the Pharisee comes and prays and he says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. You know, his proud kind of arrogant prayer. Well, the tax collector is there, humble. And so Jesus is not making much of a tithe like it's something that is needs to be done or affirming it as a law. He's actually saying, no, actually, there's something more important than even than tithing. He says, don't neglect orphans and widows and justice and making sure these things are done. And if you're saying that my tithing makes me right before God, that's bad. Because the tax collector, Jesus, this is what Jesus says of the tax collector. The tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. That's the third example. The fourth one is the order of Melchizedek and the tie there that was mentioned uh, about Abraham. So we looked at that in the Old Testament. Those are the only four instances of tithing. Now, Jesus speaks about giving the second most uh, times. Uh, so he speaks about the kingdom of heaven more than tithing, tithing, or not tithing, sorry, giving, and generosity and money and what we're to do with it. But he only mentions tithing twice, as it were, because the other ones are repeat. That's Jesus. 
So that is astounding for me that it's mentioned four times in the New Testament. But generosity and giving gladly with sincere hearts, not out of obligation, and being generous to supply the needs of the saints and particularly the poor and missions, that is significant. And so on that basis, I, I think and believe that the Old Testament uh, covenant, the law of tithing, has been done away with. And what we get to do now, is, as you mentioned, was this grace. It's a grace gift to give things that belong to God anyway, but we get to give them to others. We get to impart God's grace or be stewards of God's grace through mm. giving mm. to others. And that's kind of the way I would word it in church rather than get hung up over a term, mm. tithing. All right. <laughs> PC? Interesting. I'll, we'll still use the word tithe okay. today. Like I said, um, we'll still obviously use the, the term um, tithing. And just to clarify, take out the legal part. Like I said, um, once you, for us, you put tithe to law, you've already run away from where it starts. Mm. Even when you talk about interpreting uh, doctrines and so forth, one of the things we talk about is the principle of uh, first mention. You know, whenever you're establishing something, find where it started mm -hmm. and then establish the pattern. So whilst I, I really like what you're saying, Pastor, I really like it in that um, you're adding weight, I think, to the discussion. Mm -hmm. So whilst the New Testament doesn't necessarily um, spend volumes of time talking about tithing, it does indeed speak of giving, which for me um, speaks uh, back to what we've been talking about. Why do we emphasize, like I said, the part of the tithe? Just to say, okay, what is your minimum standard that, that is expected of you? Without, and I, and I must emphasize, putting the legal connotation to it. But let me throw uh, the, the, the cat amongst the pigeons here a bit, right, to also say this. Though we believe, um, you know, there's no legal requirement for you, obviously, to give at whatever level. We do certainly believe, and you mentioned it, I like that you mentioned it, giving is a very integral aspect of stewardship. Mm -hmm. Stewardship. Right. So there is certain replications, without us calling them curses, that come to you based on how you are a steward of that which God has given you. And I think Jesus is teaching and Paul's teaching and um, a lot of what the New Testament is, is consistent with that. What do I mean? I like to believe that the person who gives in church can expect something different to the person that does not give. Right. Paul says it this way. If you sow sparingly, you are going to reap uh, sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you are also going to reap bountifully. So whilst we can't say God's going to curse you, right, or God's against you, or you're robbing God, or there's a knife or an axe, hanging on your head. I, I think it's also necessary to teach the church that, you know, what, what God entrusts to you has got a lot to do with um, how you're already treating the little that he has given to you. Yeah. So, so your giving at whatever level is going to determine whether God trusts you with more or does not trust you with more. And uh, sometimes I feel that in, in, in dealing with these matters, we don't always clarify. I, I, I like to use a totally different example to say, uh, for example, the person who reads the Bible and the one who doesn't read the Bible, of course God's grace is available for everybody. The person who prays and the one who doesn't pray, both of them are Christians. Uh, we can expect different movements insofar as their spiritual progress despite the fact that God loves them. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do believe that um, in talking of giving, um, we must also be very um, clear to let people know that it's, a, it's an integral part of your, of your stewardship. Mm -hmm. 
obligation to God. Mm-hmm. Does the New Testament uh, condemn tithing? I think it would be it would be difficult to say the New Testament actually speaks against tithing. Right. As in, um, I always like telling people, okay, let me not get there. But <laughs> in essence, and by tithing, remember what I'm saying? At the very least, 10% ought to be what you give, at right. the very least. I don't think that the New Testament necessarily points a finger at the person who gives 10% of their income to God. <clears throat> I actually don't think that God himself, if I decided as a Christian, wherever I am, teaching or not teaching, to uh, a portion a portion of my income. Let's not even say 10%. Let's say I decide to put 20% of my income. Like I said, I know people who give way more than the, the, the 10% tithe as, as is claimed or rather as is put forward. I don't think God would have an issue with somebody who makes a commitment to lay aside a portion of their income. Right. I would put a disclaimer in there mm? or a, mm. I would say it depends on the motive. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. You probably said that's, no. that's given. Absolutely. But we can ask people mm-hmm. and call the church to mm-hmm. say give a minimum of 10%. Mm-hmm. But because the pastor said it, mm-hmm. what will often happen is the church say, wow, the pastor said it, he must have heard from God, I better do that, or mm-hmm. I'm going to be condemned, or I'm going to be... And then I would... Cursed. Uh, cursed, cursed, condemned by God, or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would go without something... Mm-hmm. And so then we hype it up a little bit mm. often. I mean, we do as pastors because mm. we need the offering to come out to sustain the ministry. Uh, but what I challenge our church mm. to do is I mm. say it's your motive. Mm. And actually, if you give not expecting something back, mm. that's the heart of a true giver. Mm. Too often we give expecting something back. Absolutely. Because we give and say, press down, shaking together, running, running over, over brothers and sisters. Yes. This is our giving. <laughs> it must be like that. Mm. I'm saying Oh, no, 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 no. That's mm. not the giver who has the true heart after God. The true giver, David mm. says, how can I give that which costs me nothing? nothing. That's correct. It must cost us without a reward. Mm. And so Luke says, this is what Luke says mm. in 635, says, mm. love your enemies mm-hmm. and do good mm. and lend, expecting mm. nothing, nothing in return. Absolutely. And your reward will be great mm. and you'll mm. be sons of the Most High. It mm. shows that we're children, sons of the Most High, when we give even lend expecting nothing back. Mm-hmm. I mean, lending is I'll lend you this, and there's mm-hmm. kind of an anticipation that yeah, it would come back. But he's actually saying lend, mm-hmm. not even expecting it back. He's, mm-hmm. He goes further to say, if someone comes and steals from you, mm-hmm. give them your tunic as well. Yeah. So take your cloak hey, and your yeah. tunic. Bruh. That's the kind of giving we're talking about. Yeah. Not give, and the pastor will feed you, serve you on mm. a Sunday, visit you when you're sick, mm. pray for you, mm. prophesy over mm. you. But that's the kind of giving that we've promoted. And it's become a legalistic or contractual mm. giving. If I do this, then this. You know what? Um, I was teaching on stewardship mm. uh, and we were talking about giving. I'm liking what you're saying because I want to draw attentions to uh, X20. Mm. I even put it on my Facebook the other day, I think. Um, when I was talking about you know, true giving, and this is what I was saying. Um, and I gave an example to say, listen, when Warren Buffett, who's, I, if, I, if I'm correct, is pledged, is it over half of his wealth to the poor, came up to do that. In his mind, he wasn't saying, I'm giving this amount so that I can reap, you know, so that I can get more billions over and above the billions that I already have. And I mentioned a number of these um, uh, iconic international figures who are rich who have already pledged their, their vast amounts of wealth um, to, to helping you know, charitable causes. And I was saying, um, you know the Bible says in the book of um, it's Acts, this is the apostle speaking, it says we reminded them 
that Jesus said, that the words of Jesus, that is more blessed to give than to receive. And I was teaching that to say, you know, the highest, you know, joy in giving is not so much in getting back. The greatest joy in giving, actually, is just in the joy that comes. And no amount of money back to you can ever replace the joy that comes out of you giving. Mm. Whether you know the contentment you have mm. when you see that our church, which had no building, yeah. now has a building because of this one brick I added. Yeah. The joy you have when you see a, a child who could not afford $20 of school fees mm. suddenly walk off to school. And I was saying, you know what? There's, um, there's, there's no joy that beats that. So we mm. pastors, mm. Uh, sir, have an obligation to teach the full counsel. So you see, in teaching the joys of giving, mm. we must also remind people the, 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 the aspect of stewardship. Absolutely. In mentioning stewardship, we must also bring uh, you know, to people's attention the fact that you know, it has to go higher than that. You're talking about mm. the heart and intention. And, 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 and in, in talking or in hearing or having this discussion, uh, I would say uh, the important person in the giving matrix is obviously the preacher or the, the teacher of the word of God. Right. That he lays it down in a way, number one, that doesn't have somebody feeling like there's a gun pointed at their head if they do not give. But they also do it in such a way to, 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 to remind people, and it's true, that whatever it is that you give, definitely God promises that, you know, based on what he's trusted you with, there's obviously going to be some sort of increase. But over and above that, which is what you were saying, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest joy in giving comes out of what happens inside, not in the wallet. This discussion continues in part two of this episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.